Hello, my dudes. Today, I want to talk about mobile games. Okay, I am a mobile game fan. If you ask me, do you have any games on your phone? Uh, yes, I do. A whole folder, actually. Before I get into all this, what makes a good mobile game, you ask? <laughs> it's got to be free to download, not too many ads, and ideally, bonus points if I can play on airplane mode. Because basically, like, when I have a few minutes to kill or there's nothing else I can do on my phone, it's nice to have some games to fall back on. I say that, but the reality reality is, I can become deeply addicted to mobile games, and they might actually be a bit of a problem for me. As recent as last month, I became hooked on a particular mobile game, and it was bad. Like, playing that game actually interfered with my ability to do anything else that I needed to do in a day. And perhaps worse, I was spending real money on this game. It made me feel so much shame that I thought, okay, I need to write a video about this, I gotta look into this. and that alone did make me feel a bit better because now technically the money I spent on that game is a is a business expense. It's a write-off. I know that doesn't make it all better, but technically it was research. So these were some of my initial questions. Why are these mobile games so captivating? How do they succeed in completely monopolizing my attention and time? And also, why do I feel so embarrassed, both in being obsessed with these games and in spending money on them? So this video will end up going into some points about the gaming industry in general, but let's start with introducing freemium games. These are free to download and technically free to play, but they allow in-app purchases. And I think there's a distinction to be made between what you're paying for. If you want to pay for different outfits or avatars, something that doesn't impact the gameplay, that's one thing. But the most tempting things to buy in these games are extra lives or energy or whatever the game's currency is, be it gems, coins, gold, whatever. And those things can help you keep playing the game longer, beat more levels, and move on in the game. The problem is you download a new game, it starts off so easy, it's fun, it gets you hooked. And then you keep playing, you realize these levels are getting pretty hard. What's going on? Pretty soon you reach a point where you need extra help, extra boosters, extra bonuses in order to beat that next level. That is why people say freemium games are free to play, but pay to win. Yeah, that sounds a whole lot like life, my guy. Oh, by the way, that's Sheridan. She is my co-writer. Today, we thought we would try out a slightly different format, so she's going to be popping in throughout the video to give her thoughts. So let's begin with my pay-to-win journey. For this video, I went back through my Apple receipts to see not only the games that I've downloaded in the past few years, but all the games that I've spent money on. Oh, I'll talk more about that later, but it begins with one particular game. Something to note about mobile games is that there are many games with essentially the same gameplay mechanics, same concept, with just a bit of difference in storyline or aesthetics, such as the Scapes series. The original was Gardenscapes, which I have not played. I started with Homescapes, an epic installment in the Scapes series in which players get to restore a beautiful mansion along with Austin the Butler. No, not that one this guy. Homescapes is a match three game similar to Bejeweled or Candy Crush. So as you beat levels, you collect stars and those let you complete tasks. Ultimately, you are redecorating Austin the Butler's family mansion. And honestly, the design element is pretty fun. And over time, it's very satisfying to complete a whole room or section of the house and then move on to the next thing. I'm currently on level 1594. Jesus. I downloaded this game in 2018 and I vividly remember being in 
in the UK at the time, and I could not stop playing. Side note, I don't remember how I found Homescapes or why I started to play it, but many of you might recognize it from its ads. Homescapes is notorious for these kind of ads where basically you can like pull these pins strategically because there's like water or other hazards and you want to save the person from drowning. There are a lot of variations of that concept, but regardless, these ads are irrelevant to the game. That's not at all a good representation of what Homescapes actual gameplay is, which is actually a bummer because every time these ads come up, I think that that actually would be a fun game to play. Did these actually exist? exist, let me know. Actually, you probably shouldn't. So on this note, Danny Gonzalez has a great series on bad ads. Some of them are funny and ridiculous, but ultimately these ads are false advertising. If they're so blatantly untrue, why are they allowed? Well, I watched this video by Kyle Anderson, which explores the question, and basically the game platforms make millions allowing fake ads to run. Classic answer, I should have known. If there's money to be made, who cares if we're misleading people, right? The UK's Advertising Standards Authority banned a few Homescapes and Gardenscapes ads for being misleading, but many people are still coming across these ads, and in response, the game developer decided to just add some mini-games that have the pin concept to be like, see, this isn't misleading, even though the mini-games still represent a very small, rare part of the game. But I really just don't understand if these ads, these fake ads are so popular and successful in driving downloads, why wouldn't the game developers want to actually make that game? Come on, I would play it. Anyway, back to Homescapes. After playing probably hundreds of levels, I eventually reached the point where I spent $5 on a bonus pack. My first ever in-app mobile game purchase. It was a major moment, honestly. I went from being a person who would not spend money on a mobile game to someone who could be tempted. Someone who, in a moment of weakness, might just start throwing down some real cash to beat that next level. I was embarrassed, but also I realized that I could now have endless, easier, wonderful gaming right at my fingertips for the small cost of just a few dollars here and there. Before we continue, this portion of today's video is sponsored by Opera Desktop. Opera is a browser that brings all your needs together so you can be productive and organized. You can customize workspaces with different tabs, which I love because I usually have dozens of tabs and windows open. With these workspaces, I can keep things in check. Here's my personal, here's work, here's wedding stuff. There's also this sidebar where you can switch between workspaces, add some social apps. I also have my Spotify player here. By the way, there's also this video pop-out feature. You know I'm always watching something. I like that you can move the video anywhere on screen and you can make it any size, even this tiny. The last feature I want to highlight are pin boards. I can easily take screenshots and keep them organized, which is super useful for when I'm finding articles to reference for videos. This mobile games discussion reminded me of another topic on my list, cozy games. So I made a pin board for it. I've personally never gotten into the platform that rhymes with interest, but Opera's pin boards are very easy for me to use. Instead of filling my screenshots folder with a big mess, I can easily capture articles and quotes, save it to my board, then move those around as needed. I love that they all keep the links attached too so that I won't get any sources mixed up. If you want to check out Opera Desktop, you can use the link in my description. I'm also going to be linking my Cozy Games pin board if you want to read any of those articles or check out the game recommendations I saved. 
So now let's discuss the pay to win concept of freemium games. Some people might be listening right now and they would say, you didn't have to spend money on that. You were just being dumb. If a mobile game reaches that point where it's basically unbeatable, just stop playing. Don't waste your money. And sure, I get that. Of course, I was not being forced to spend money on in-app purchases. To be fair, I do have a section in my budget for entertainment, which I think this falls under. So it isn't ruining my life or my finances to spend some money on games, even if they're mobile games. You can definitely decide if it is worth it for you, but don't worry about me. I will say though, it is a valid concern to some extent because some people do spend so much on games and mobile games that it does become a significant strain on their finances. But I mean, technically that is true of all things that can be purchased. The bottom line is though, these games have intentional features. They are designed to encourage us to play as much as possible, but not unlimited playing for free. They want us to eventually feel pressured to pay for in-app content. A big part of me wanting to make this video is kind of in defense of mobile game consumers because I felt really dumb for getting sucked into these mobile games and spending money on it. And I kind of, yes, want to defend myself and justify my my actions. But honestly, I just, I wouldn't want anyone else to feel stupid for like falling for this, you know? Literally, don't blame the player, blame the game. Blame the manipulative tactics that are honestly very good at that exact thing. They are designed to get in our heads, get us addicted, and hopefully push us to spend money. So I found this website that lists what they call dark patterns, which reminds me of Dexter. No, that's dark passenger, close enough. Anyway, I would call these red flags. Every game probably has some of these features, but the worst of them employ most of these. For example, they have temporal dark patterns, controlling your time basically, including playing by the game schedule instead of yours, encouraging daily visits and punishing you if you miss a day, and in-game timers that make you arbitrarily wait for something, among other features. They also have monetary dark patterns, social dark patterns, and psychological dark patterns. I just think this was a really interesting way to to evaluate games to be able to see how quote-unquote toxic they may be. So with that lens, let's go back to Homescapes. I am about to go into painstaking detail about this, but I just think it's important to point out all the little components that start to add up. So in this game, you have these boosters that help you blow up more pieces, basically, and the game will give some to you randomly. They're very great to have, very valuable, but sometimes you reach a particularly challenging level and and some of these I'm sure are impossible to beat without at least one booster. Sometimes they even require multiple types. If you don't win a round, you can pay coins to get a few extra turns. If you lose, you can replay the level. Standard stuff. But what about lives? In Homescapes, you have a max of five lives and it takes 30 minutes to regenerate another one. This kind of pay-to-win strategy monopolizes on short attention spans and takes advantage of the fact that if you're playing a mobile game, you're probably not the most patient person in the world. Plus, split-second decisions to buy more lives or extra turns can put pressure on the user to buy now or else. 
So imagine maybe you're out of lives, you need more boosters, more coins. The game might pop up with a special offer. Buy this pack for a really great deal. It's only available for the next 24 hours. Look at all these shiny, fun packs to choose from. How about just 99 cents to get a thousand coins? Well, that'll only last you about two seconds. For 199, you can get the starter pack, which comes with 1500 coins and some boosters. But if I'm willing to spend $2, let me check out the other options. I want it to be worth it. Hmm, the pro pack is most popular. It's $15.99. Yikes. But look at all the goodies I could have. Wait, why am I even considering spending money on this? What makes these games so addictive? Not to sound alarmist or fear-mongering like, ooh, technology is scary, but gaming in general can be addictive, just like anything that brings us pleasure. Brains love dopamine. (laughs) Yes, I am a scientist. Many people are able to play games in their spare time in a way that's healthy for them, but many of us do struggle with becoming too invested in a game. According to this report, specifically mobile video games are characterized by portability, immediacy, and accessibility, which may increase the risk for addictive behavioral patterns and thus more severe mental health problems. In this research paper, they're focusing on depression, social anxiety, and loneliness. Now hold on, I am not trying to say mobile games cause mental illness. No. But there are plenty of studies about why people play games or how gaming affects us. I don't think it's ever purely good or bad. I know that for myself, I do sometimes use games as a coping mechanism or escapism, especially when I'm feeling anxious. Sometimes my gaming causes me more stress. But also, gaming can be a very relaxing hobby and something I deeply enjoy. Anyway, speaking from my own experiences, I've certainly felt obsessed with some of my Switch games like... Animal Crossing, Pokemon, Cozy Grove. I can spend hours focusing on one task or grinding to collect certain resources. I end up keeping a notebook right next to me so that I can track all the necessary information or tips on how to catch them all. But that is fun for me. I get satisfaction from seeing the progress I've made in a game. And I will say most of the games I play are quote unquote, quote unquote, quote unquote, cozy. Cozy games. They're not super stressful or high stakes, and I can play them at my own pace. However, comparing that to mobile games, when I get stuck in a mobile game loop and I'm becoming desperate because I need more lives or game currency, I'm usually not even getting much pleasure or enjoyment out of it at all. I just feel like more of a panicked frenzy. Bill and I was right. Inertia is a property of matter, and in these moments, I just want to keep doing what I'm doing, replaying each level until I beat it. So like the research paper said, the accessibility of mobile games tends to be a big problem for me. Like, yes, my Switch is portable, but I don't bring it with me everywhere I go, unlike my phone. So mobile games are that much harder to resist. The other day, while writing this script, I opened Homescapes for the first time in months, and it popped up with so many free boosters, free lives, I ended up with five and a half hours of unlimited lives, which is wild because the most I've ever had is like one hour, unlimited time to play. And of course that's in real time. So I would have to play now or I would lose all that extra free time. And that's a really powerful way to keep people playing. And of course, if I am playing for that long, I'm probably gonna end up wanting to buy a bonus pack. 
So that's just another small example of a manipulative tactic. They see that I've opened the game for the first time in a while and they want me to get sucked back in. And honestly, if I had opened it for any other reason rather than um, just to write this video, I would have done it. I would have played five and a half hours, baby. Hey, I just found a relevant TikTok. Let me send it to you. Ooh, I need something to do. Download Sugar Crush. I'm playing the game, I lose all my lives. And I'm like, I gotta keep going. Guess how much money I spent that night on Sugar Crush? A hundred and fifty dollars. Oh my God. Because I couldn't get past the next level. I, like, I need to play another game. Oh my God, that's oddly comforting. It makes me feel a little bit better about my spending. Oh wait, you need to see the whole video. Since I've started Candy Crush, this is so bad. Since I've started Candy Crush, I've spent Four thousand. No, no, no. That's not real. No. You need help. You're done. I know. That's absurd. That's it. That's an addiction that that needs to be Th under you don't, control. You don't think I've already realized okay, this let already? Me, let, me, let me ask That's you this. Two months rent. I know. Four thousand dollars. Yeah, four thousand dollars is insane. It almost makes me wonder if the rich play games like this without even thinking about the money. But in reality, it's just the game. Why does it even matter what this person spends their money on? That is wild and also fucked up. Like, okay, I assume Zane is rich and he can afford it. But I did also find tons of stories online of regular people who I assume are not rich spending hundreds or even thousands of dollars each month on their mobile games. Again, to that extent where it's like ruining their lives. I think a big component of this is just how easy it is to pay for things on your phone. And especially with the games, all I have to do is a little click and a little facial recognition. And that doesn't feel like real money. So with that, let's get into gaming and gambling. It's funny, my last video was about the lottery, which was a bit random, but this topic has actually ended up having some of the same elements. There's a little bit of crossover, and of course there are some mobile games that are literally online gambling. The instant satisfaction, the repetitive cycles, the desperation to win again and again. It reminds me of stories that I read about people who buy lottery scratchers, scratch them off in the store, and immediately cash them in to buy more. Many mobile games fall into this puzzle category, which is approachable, fun, and really easy to learn. Not to mention, they all look and sound like casino games, specifically those video slot machines that are on the floor. Wins are addictive and make you feel so good. Music, bright colors, diamonds, yay! And like with casinos, when you stop winning, we either up the ante and put in more money or move to a new machine entirely. These games rely on the psychology that you'll play a game similar to games that you've liked in the past and probably have been good at before. Like Homescapes and Candy Crush, same game, slightly different look or feel. I also want to point out that I think there's an interesting relationship with the accessibility of mobile games and how it relates back to class. Similarly to how the lottery is called a stupid tax or why are poor people wasting their money on something useless like this, mobile games can be perceived very similarly. People get roped into these games because they're free. The barrier of entry is much lower than say buying a $300 Switch and paying like 60 bucks per game. Not to mention all the extra paid DLC or downloadable content that you buy to enhance gameplay and play your game even longer. Though certainly middle and higher income people do play mobile games too, there may be more lower income people playing freemium games. And then because of in-app purchases, someone could spend the same amount on a freemium game over the course of a year or two as you would buying a premium console game. The difference is, can you afford a higher upfront cost? 
Or is it more feasible to spend like five bucks a week to play a game with seemingly endless amounts of levels? Continuing on, I know we've jumped into quite a few tangents already, but that's just how our brains work. Let's bring it back to my mobile game habits and introduce our next game. Remember, I started playing Homescapes in 2018. I spent $5 one time. Things weren't too bad. You might be thinking, $5? Is that it? (laughs) No. No. Then we get to the summer of 2020. For some reason, I downloaded this Demi Lovato game. Give me a break. It was 2020. I needed some escapism. Things were rough. This Demi Lovato game is under the episode umbrella, which you might be familiar with. I also remember playing the Kim Kardashian episode game back in like 2013, 2014. This all relates back to what type of gamer you are too. What's the demographic these mobile games are trying to capture? Honestly, between you and me, mobile games appeal to a super wide audience because they are so simple and so repetitive. Going back to the point about different flavors of the same game to capture a repeat consumer, the Demi Lovato game is the Kim Kardashian game is any other sort of lifestyle sim that you've ever played. It just happens to be on your phone. That is such a good point, and the episode format is so interchangeable, it is probably so easy to make a celebrity deal like that. Basically, can we use your name and likeness for this generic story? Okay, cool. Episode games are wild. You're basically just playing through a story, and you're only given like two or three choices. There is really so little you can do or control, especially if you are not spending money. For example, I just re-downloaded episode and I'm playing this game um, for research. It's about a prince, one of those prince love stories. So I'm an average girl and I run into the prince and he has a crush on me and he's like, please let me make it up to you. He splashed me on his motorcycle. Classic. Take my jacket. It says, accept the prince's kindness and take his jacket for 19 gems or rudely turn him down. You're literally giving me one terrible choice or the good choice I have to pay money for. And it's not like that happens once in a while. I've been paying attention and even through the last chapter, there were probably four to five instances where it was like, do you want to wear the good pretty gown to the ball or do you want to wear your stupid club dress? And it's like, okay, well, I don't want to spend gems, so I'll wear my stupid club dress and everyone's going to hate me getting heated but that's what this game does to me or another example the prince said it was his dream he was like riding his motorcycle he wanted to go to this waterfall or a cliff to like jump off into the water i don't know and the option was either go with the prince and have the best night ever for x number of gems or say no and it's like okay you're leaving me with no good option it's funny because looking back i'm like why was i why was i spending money on the demi lovato game This is why, because it, for some reason, really gets to me. I'm like, I don't want to be rude to the prince. I want to wear the pretty gown, but I'd have to spend the gems. Editing note, I have more to say about this. I definitely think there's some emotional manipulation. These cartoons somehow get me to care about them and their feelings. But what I realized was you're given these high stakes decisions, but often, even if you pick the bad one, it doesn't really cause that much of a problem. Like sometimes the bad choice is respond rudely. And then the girl's just like, oh, I'd like to go home. She's not even rude. 
And also when I was paying for the good choices, they didn't often give you a great result either. Obviously it makes sense that the central episode doesn't really stray too far from the original storyline, but it was just surprising this time to notice like really how little impact it makes. Especially when you consider looking at these prices, each option is around let's say 20 gems. That could cost you about $2, maybe like 150 ish if you're buying a bigger pack. So you're paying one to $2 for each of these better choices when I don't think they really make that much of a good impact anyway. Me telling myself, oh, I don't think it's worth it to spend money on this. And everyone's like, yeah, we know. So I went back, as I said, through my app receipts and I found that in total, I ended up spending $67 on this Demi Lovato episode game. That is deeply embarrassing, $67. 67 US dollars that I could have used for anything else. I will admit, these games are ridiculous. The stories are pretty terrible. And yet, I do get into it. I am not above episode in any way. There is something intriguing. Like the animation style, they literally have probably a dozen little movements that they do, and they'll be like, and for some reason, I just love it. I don't know. I will say, this would be a very fun game to play with an unlimited budget. Not fun like real fun, but like stupid fun, careless fun. If I were super rich, if I were a billionaire, I could buy all the best clothes and pay for all the best choices in life. What would I get out of that? Absolutely nothing, but still tempting. So with that, I want to talk about gender in gaming. Initially, I didn't plan on getting into the whole discourse about gender in gaming, and this certainly will not be comprehensive, but I think it is important to mention. It's interesting, especially when talking about playing episode as a late 20-something adult woman. I feel embarrassed. But let's unpack why. Why am I embarrassed to play my silly little puzzle games? Why is it bad to enjoy redecorating some cartoon butler's house? My hypothesis is that these games are viewed as less serious because they're played on the phone. You're not paying $600 for an upgraded PC or a brand new console with the best graphics and the most updated software. But I also think that these games are perceived as less serious because a majority of them are cutesy, lighthearted, and generally targeted towards women through story-based, sim, or puzzle-based games. Yes, I agree. These aren't considered real games. Now, am I trying to claim that these mobile games are the greatest games on the planet? No. But let's be real, there are plenty of trash, more masculine games as well. Like Episode, those games are practically fan fiction. Hence the storyline of you becoming friends with ex-celebrity and getting to live out the fantasy of becoming rich and famous alongside them. But in shitting on a game like Episode, is this yet another example of the classic, uh, teenage girls and women like this thing, so it's inherently less than? Maybe. Again, you can dislike these games. But is it because of the actual game or is it because of who enjoys the game? Hmm? It's funny, despite a lifetime of playing games, I never considered myself a gamer. Why is that? Perhaps because society believes that gaming is for boys and men. She's not a gamer. At best, she might be a girl who plays girl games. And therefore, she's a girl boss, gamer girly, but she's not just a gamer. We must enforce the binary gender roles and marketing in every industry. Anyway, despite the stereotype of a gamer being like 
guys playing FIFA or a single guy living in his parents' basement, which in this economy makes total sense. Despite that stereotype, I know that from personal experience, many women and non-binary folks love gaming as well. Shock. Surprise. So I found some interesting stats about mobile gaming demographics. And again, excuse the very binary classifications. These studies aren't quite thorough enough. This blog post says... 55% of mobile gamers are female. More than 50% of mobile gamers are older than 34. On average, mobile gaming sessions last 25% longer for women than for men. And women are much more likely to make an in-app purchase than men. So as I was reading this, I was like, okay, this is interesting, but like, what are the actual stats? It's annoying to just say something like, women are more likely. Give me the numbers. Okay, wait, actually, if I had just read just right below it, apparently 5% of women and 3.3% of men are likely to make an in-app purchase. Though I wouldn't really call that much more likely, but that's stats for you. So I tried to trace it back. I believe it referenced this other article. VentureBeat says females, you can just say women, females are 79% more likely to complete an in-app purchase after installing a mobile game. And then I tried to search in that report, but I couldn't find these stats they were referencing. So who knows if the numbers are really backing it up. This is internet analysis, but we're not here to do statistical analysis. That's not me, clearly. But anecdotally, I feel like we all know a mom who's obsessed with a game or two on her phone, but we usually wouldn't think of her as a gamer. Unfair. Does sexism play a role in this, perchance? Aligning with some of the stats you found, Tiff, a study by Muzu and Google Play found that about half of all mobile gamers are women. What women look for in their gaming experience tends to differ than their male counterparts. Women are significantly more likely to say that puzzle-solving possibilities are more appealing in games. 33% of women align with this versus 20% of men. Meanwhile, men are more likely to find open-world settings appealing. But there's major limitations in engineering when it comes to mobile gaming and an open-world concept. You can't really design a game that has the same graphics, gameplay, and feel of games like The Witcher, Red Dead Redemption, or even Breath of the Wild. Yes, you have games that include combat like Clash of Clans or even Fortnite for mobile, but even then you don't have the same access to game features that console players have. But regardless, both sides of the equation provide an opportunity to enhance gameplay through paid content. So when you ask, why the hell would you buy Lives for Candy Crush? Well, why would you buy DLC for Call of Duty? Why buy a special outfit for your character or more gold for your World of Warcraft clan? It's literally the same shit. And we don't shame it when it's a quote-unquote legitimate console. Absolutely, Sheridan. My last hypothesis to wrap up this section is that maybe some women might be a little intimidated by console games or feel like games aren't for them, especially because so much of the marketing targets men. So perhaps mobile gaming is like a pipeline to playing other games. Not that you have to advance to more elaborate games, but speaking for myself, I played a lot of games as a kid and then I stopped playing and I didn't really realize that there was still a place in my life for games until the last few years. I started playing again and it's honestly one of my favorite hobbies. I'm a gamer and I'm proud. Oh my god, that's so sweet. Continuing on, before this video comes to a close, let me quickly recap some of the other games that I've played and spent money on. Um, 
Here we go. A Stone Age farming game called Family Island. A Harry Potter game called Hogwarts Mystery. Very millennial, and I don't love supporting J.K. Rowling, so apologies for that. A time management game called My Cafe. A game called Merge Mansion, which is also known for some of the most ridiculous, confusing ads. Some of them starring Kathy Bates. And most recently, another time management game called Happy Clinic. And by the way, I have a bone to pick with Happy Clinic. That was the one that ruined my life last month. Yikes. It's a hospital game. You're running around. You're talking to the patients. The last level of each location before you get to move on to the next place must be literally impossible to beat without a bunch of different boosters and things. I would try so many times, and it doesn't matter how good you are at time management. It's impossible. Like, not even... Not even close. And then and then I would pay for the boosters, and then I'd have to use a lot of the boosters, even just to beat one level. I'm conflicted, because I'm, like, still kind of angry, and I'm, like, regretting spending that money, but I'm also, like, tempted to play again, so. But anyway, out of that whole list of games, there was a period in, like, the spring of 2021 where I was clearly going through some shit. I was just feeling very anxious. And that's where the game adds get really dangerous for me because I would be playing one game and I'd be struggling, running out of lives, and then suddenly I see an ad and I'm downloading a brand new game. It was just promoted to me. I get to feel that pure joy again of excelling at a new game. But then within a day, I'm now addicted to two games simultaneously and I'm just switching between them like a fiend. It's obnoxious. So now I must finally tell you my shameful secret. Since 2018, The amount that I have spent on mobile games is about $500. When I added everything up, I was horrified. This is Homescapes. Do I want a grand total? No. $496. I was painful. I wish I never found this out. Ignorance is bliss when it comes to your own spending habits. No, that's fucked up. That's toxic, but guilty pleasure for sure. I feel immense guilt. I can only imagine what Graham Stephan would have to say about this. He'd say, if you invested all that money instead of wasting it on mobile games, you could have made a million dollars by the time you retire. Probably true. I don't know. Too late. (laughs) To make myself feel better, that averages out to be about $8 a month, which isn't too bad. But in reality, it occurred in these problematic, almost uncontrollable spurts, more like $17, $17, $17. But I've been thinking about this simple question. Was it worth it. Again, I am happy to spend money on my Switch games and I intentionally make this part of my budget. But is spending money on mobile games like these, and by the way, not something fantastic like Stardew Valley, which I did also download and play on my phone before I got my Switch. That was a wonderful game. But is spending money on those sorts of mobile games that I mentioned worth it? Like Merge Mansion, really? Happy Clinic? In hindsight, of course I wish I had spent that money in basically any other way. But when I think about the experience, it kind of feels like the equivalent of spending some money at an arcade or, again, gambling. Just throwing away money for brief bursts of stimulation. It's like when I was a child and I wanted to spend all my birthday money at Chuck E. Cheese. Except in that scenario, I would at least go home with some sick vampire teeth and candy. But overall, I think I've come to the conclusion that no... For me, these games are not worth spending money on, and honestly, due to the lack of control I feel when I'm stuck in those loops, paying $5 at a time for bonus packs, I don't think I can really be trusted to play these games at all. I don't seem capable of playing in moderation. I need to, I need to delete 
the capability. I need to put parental controls on my own phone and someone else needs the password to block any sort of mobile games. And now, final thoughts. I think there's definitely a stigma in being addicted to games, to waste money on games, to allow them to interfere with our lives. It feels like a personal moral failure. At the end of the day, what people choose to spend money on is ultimately up to them. But we also have to acknowledge how exploitative this upgrade spending is by targeting children, people who are not so tech savvy, and those easily pressured by split-second decision-making. Exactly. While writing this, I wanted to initially limit it to just focus on mobile games, but it's really impossible to talk about them without thinking about the broader gaming industry. The red flags, dark patterns, and problems with overspending and addiction are all prevalent in all types of gaming communities. I thought about even the games I played as a kid, lots on GameCube, Nintendo 64, Game Boy, some PC games. I think back on them with rose-colored glasses, but kid games are manipulative too. They want our money, of course, or more accurately, like our parents' credit cards. Definitely. A lot of the bright pop-up tactics for premium content are not unique to mobile games. We played freemium games as kids in the 2000s. I remember being on websites like Neopets, Club Penguin, and even RuneScape begging my parents to let me use their credit card to get a membership for more coins, to get a puffle, or to finally upgrade to Mithril Armor. With mobile games, it doesn't seem serious, right? It doesn't feel like a big deal to spend $2.99 on a bonus pack. You just don't want to end up like one of those stories of kids spend 16k on sonic forces through mom's apple pay but these ad hoc upgrades exist on higher end games too anyone hear about the guy who spent over 100k on his diablo character and now wants to sue because nobody wants to play with him because his character's too overpowered the gaming enterprise has always been about excess even when you're at an arcade and you can put in one more quarter to resume your game and get another life it's all to see just how much you'll pay to play because that's the way capitalism capitalizes. Games have always been exploitative. Just because a game is prettier in a AAA package doesn't mean that game isn't exploiting you. That's just the way capitalism capitalizes. That was my favorite line of the whole video. Thank you all so much for watching. I hope you enjoyed this topic and please send lots of love to Sheridan. She loves checking in on the comments. Let's give a big shout out to my lovely patrons. Again, patreon.com Tiffany Ferg. You can get bonus content, monthly live streams, credits in the videos. And an extra thank you to my executive producer tier. We have Uwu Face, Abby Hayden, Cassandra Toner, Eric Danielson, Freshly Laundered, Jackie King, Gemma Kwok, Jill Hoffman, Joe Fernandez, Julie Leva, Casey Luck, Kristen Holloman, Matthew Gray, Megan Collins, MegCat33, Nicole Louise, Online DBT Skills, Rob Sanders, Rohana Barden, Sarah Kemi, Stevie May, Tessa Thompson, Tom Walker, Treffa, and VivianOladon.com. Thank you so much for being patrons. Okay, before I end this video, I just wanted to say, obviously I mentioned the, the change in format with featuring Sheridan. Um, I have been trying to figure out different ways to record these videos just to make it a little easier on myself. I find that like, for example, memorizing each line and, and performing it is like a very big obstacle for me. And I get so tired of just like looking at myself on camera and looking at the angles and trying to make sure everything is perfect. So you might have noticed throughout this video, I've been glancing at my computer, which is right here, um, just because like, who cares? Yeah, these videos are scripted. Why do I have to pretend like I'm not looking at the script, you know? 
Uh, it's funny. I actually bought a teleprompter like a few months back and I wanted to try to use it like one that goes right over your camera and then you're supposed to be able to like read it while looking at your camera lens. Um, but that was like very uncomfortable for me and honestly not even easier than like glancing at my script and saying it. So I returned to the teleprompter. But anyway, also like even just this new microphone, obviously holding this kind of changes the way that I'm recording. But I think it's kind of fun. I can't use both hands. So I think I just have to gesticulate more with the other hand to make up for it. But anyway, I just wanted to check in. I know it's been a long time. I haven't been posting very frequently through this entire year. And that's been a whole thing. I've had many big life changes this year. We adopted our dog. We've been planning our wedding. We moved twice. But anyway, I very much appreciate you for sticking around to the very end of the video. Unless perhaps you've fallen asleep listening to this, which is what I do often. So if, if so, good night. <laughs> Sweet dreams. Okay. Thank you so much for watching and stay tuned for future internet analysis videos. Okay. Thanks. Bye.